This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, as if flu season wasn't stressful enough, there are now three new COVID variants. Infectious disease expert Dr. Mia Taramina is back with what you need to know. Plus, we hear from two black women football coaches making history here in Illinois after their teams went head-to-head for the first time. The first abortions are once again legal in Indiana. But for how long? One week after the state's abortion ban took effect, a county judge blocked it from being enforced late last week. Abortion providers resumed the medical service, but the state of Indiana wasted no time in appealing the judge's order. So what comes next for Indiana's providers and patients? With us is Farah Husri, health equity reporter for Side Effects Public Media. That's a program led by WFYI in Indiana. Hi, Farah. Hi, Sasha. Good to be with you. Can you clear things up for us? Are abortions legal right now in your state? Yeah, it's it's like it seems like a simple, straightforward question, but with everything that's happening, it's so confusing for many people. So here's the order of events of what's been happening in Indiana. Okay. In mid-September, an Indiana law put a near total ban on all abortions, except in the cases of substantial danger to the mother's health or life. In case the fetus has anomalies, that would mean it can't survive outside the womb, but that's only up to 20 weeks. And in cases of rape and incest, but only up to 10 weeks. Just last week, an Indiana judge ordered that the state pause this abortion ban until further consideration. So for now, Yes, abortion is legal in Indiana, up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, abortion clinics across the state are making plans to see patients again, but the legal back and forth means that right. these services could be just halted and these clinics have a real risk of losing their licenses if the abortion ban is upheld. And it's a very uncertain environment right now to oh, be a provider sure. or a patient in need of abortion. And we're going to dig into some more of that back and forth, Farah. What was behind the judge's injunction on the ban in the first place? Yeah, so a judge essentially blocked the ban uh, just a few days after it took effect. Um, it, it, he grant, uh, The judge granted a preliminary injunction, which is basically legal jargon for an order to pause a certain law from taking effect. Mm -hmm. Um, So the judge heard arguments from the ACLU of Indiana on behalf of abortion clinics in the state. And the fundamental question in the lawsuit was, does the Indiana Constitution protect the right to abortion? So typically a judge would grant a preliminary injunction if they believe that irreparable damage could happen to one party unless this injunction is granted. And that's until a final judgment is made as the lawsuit takes its course. So right now, the state, as you mentioned, has filed an appeal to the judge's order, basically asking for the abortion ban to continue to take effect. Um, State lawyers also asked for the state's high court to take up the case. Um, The state attorney general said that the ACLU arguments against the ban are based on, quote, novel, unwritten, historically unsupported right to abortion in the state constitution. Mm. So talk about the providers. How are they reacting? I mean, were they just quick to take on appointments for abortion or was there that uncertainty that you you described earlier about, okay, well, what do we do next? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so abortion providers say that they did not expect the outcome of this lawsuit, uh, but they're pleasantly surprised, yet still very cautious and apprehensive of what's to come. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty because the argument that the ACLU is using is pretty unique and interesting in tying, you know, privacy to the right to abortion access. Um, so, you know, the the argument basically, you know, is that abortion is a deeply personal and private matter that the decision have to be up to the woman, not the, you know, not the state lawmakers mm-hmm. who may or may not personally agree with abortion access. 
So Indiana's constitution protects the citizens' rights to privacy, but you know this argument, again, is pretty unique. So there's also the fact that under the new abortion ban that Indiana lawmakers are seeking to uphold, abortions can only be performed in hospitals, which means that yeah. most of abortion clinics here will shut down. All the while, data from the health department show that 95% of abortions in Indiana were performed in one of these clinics. So the argument is that by enforcing this new abortion ban, you're not me meeting patients where they are. You're just putting up barriers, even for those who, mm -hmm. quote unquote, qualify for illegal abortion. Um, Forcing people who wouldn't otherwise to now go and do this at a hospital. Exactly. Or elsewhere in another state. So, as you mentioned, the, the states filed this appeal now. So make it clear, what does this mean and, and how is this going to affect folks' abilities to get abortions today? Yeah. So right now, someone who needs an abortion can get an abortion as long as it's under 20 weeks of pregnancy. And given that they find an appointment in one of those, you know, clinics um, for the appeal means basically that um, the ACLU and the clinics have a little under two weeks to respond to the state's appeal. Uh, and there should be another hearing soon, but the date is not yet determined. It's important to note also that there is a second lawsuit um, that the ACLU of Indiana has filed earlier in September that argues that the abortion ban violates Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which says that um, the state law can't interfere with a person's ability to exercise their religion unless there is some sort of compelling government interest and that the law advances those interests in the least restrictive way. So the argument in this second lawsuit is that um, the abortion ban does not meet that standard and that some religious groups and faiths recognize a right to abortion. And so the ban will infringe on those groups' beliefs and rights to exercise their religion. And the hearing for this lawsuit is expected in, in October next month. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the latest out of Indiana and the fight both for and against abortion access there. Last week, a judge blocked an abortion ban from being enforced, and the state of Indiana immediately filed an appeal, causing some confusion for those providing as well as seeking an abortion. Our guest today is Indiana-based health equity reporter Farah Hustri. Uh This is really confusing, Farah. You said it earlier. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth repeating, right? Absolutely. I'm interested in hearing how people are reacting. Yeah. So, you know, um, people are still protesting, especially in the wake of big decisions. Um, and the feeling I get from the average protester on the street is that, you know, they know that the protest will not change anything per se, like it won't change the law, but it remains an important tool for them to keep the conversation going and keep the issue of abortion access front and center on dinner tables. Um, anecdotally, you know, some people are just not aware of this injunction and what it means for them if they need such care. Um, but but still, you know, abortion providers are saying that they, they're getting calls again from patients in need of immediate abortion care during this very, very narrow window. Um, the challenge is how can you schedule everyone to get the care they need in yeah. a timely manner? Um, and, and, you know, some providers tell me that it's just very tough for them as, you know, as a doctor to tell the patient that they may not be able to give them the kind of care they know they need at any point because of, you know, sudden changes in the law. Um, for now, the, all eyes are on uh, these lawsuits and how they unfold and what yeah. that would mean for abortion access in the state of Indiana. And you mentioned there, Farah, that, you know, some people just aren't aware about this, uh, this injunction. Are there efforts to increase access and, and spread the word? 
Yeah, I I really don't know the answer to that, but it seems like there is a gap of awareness when it comes to what's going on with abortion debate in Indiana. And I would argue in other states too. Um, And I think one reason is how complicated it's getting. You know, the map of abortion laws across the country is becoming such a patchwork that it's hard to fully understand unless you're a reporter or a legal expert or an advocate. There's also the fact, yeah, there's also the fact that abortion can be one of those issues where people might be inclined to not pay attention to until they are put in a situation where it affects them or, you know, their wives or young daughters directly. And I think that a a public health um, approach to the issue makes the most sense at this point. We know maternal mortality rates in a state like Indiana are among the worst in the country. Some reports show that these rates might continue to climb up as some women struggle to get timely abortion care. Um, I would also like to point out that anecdotally, uh, the lack of awareness we found on a couple of college campuses here where female students might be in like very close proximity to a protest, but have no idea what this whole thing is about. Oh, you know, wow. it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty concerning. And I, I don't know what each individual college or university is doing to communicate with its student body, you know, how this law will affect them or their ability to seek care. But I argue that there is definitely a need for more effective messaging. Mm-hmm. There's also the fact that this uh, injunction is just one step. There's going to be many more hurdles along the way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's on and off, you know, like not today you might qualify for an abortion and like next day that could change. And so, yeah, it's hard to to know exactly what kind of care will you be able to get should you need it any, any day. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about uh, the state filing that appeal, uh, it also filed a motion for the state's high court to take up this case. Are they likely to take it on, you think? Um, I, I, would, I, I think so, yeah. Um, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't want to give like a, right. uh, an answer, but I, I think so. I think it's likely to take up the case. Do you think that, uh, Judge Hanlon, do you think that the fact that it was her that authored this injunction makes a difference? Um, yeah, I think so as well. Um, I mean, the, again, the, the counter arguments, um, from, you know, the attorney general are, became swift and strong. Um, the way they frame it uh, is that, you know, the arguments that are being used will not hold water, uh, once, you know, the lawsuit takes its course and, uh, if a higher court, you know, takes on the case. So, yeah, I think it's a waiting game at this point. Well, Lots to pay attention to. What are you going to be focused on moving forward? Yeah, uh, of course, we're trying to focus on, you know, how what that means for the average, you know, person, the average woman who's pregnant, who already has like two, three children. It's hard for her to put food on the table and needs access to abortion right away. Um, you know, some providers are already describing scenarios where women are going to great lengths to access the care um, I spoke to, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood in Illinois last month, and they told me that normally they get like 80 or 100 out-of-state patients per month. But in the first weeks in the Supreme Court decision, they scheduled 750 patients from out-of-state. Wow. And, and that just in one week. That's we're a traveling huge difference. To yeah. Um, and I can only imagine these numbers will, will climb as the list of states banning abortion grows. Um, in some cases, you know, some of those women who are really early in their pregnancy and can get a medication abortion um, might be driving for hours and hours just to be physically present in a state where abortion medication and telemedicine abortion is legal, just to sit in their car and hop in a 10-minute phone call with a doctor who would prescribe and send them the abortion pills. Um, you know, one Indiana provider I spoke with 
tells me uh, she has a medical license to practice in New Mexico. And so on her days off in Indiana, she provides telemedicine abortion for people who are driving for hours to New from from Texas to mm -hmm. New Mexico wow. just to do that phone call. And because she is physically based in Indiana now and with the abortion ban being in limbo, this provider is navigating a very confusing and risky la landscape. Um, she tells me if the patient's need is so great, she might consider driving two and a half hours to Illinois to help patients who themselves are traveling for hours from New Mexico to Texas. Are you am are you amazed, Farah, at these lengths that these healthcare oh professionals are are, are 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 going? This Absolutely. is incredible. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, like even even if the law, you know, with this injunction, the the enforcement environment remains very hostile, very draconian, some of them tell me. So they don't feel comfortable providing the care they are they know that they should be providing. And you know, some of some of the doctors, especially young doctors who are finishing their training here in Indiana, are considering leaving the state uh, once they're done with their training because they feel it's not an environment that's safe for them mm. to continue practicing. We've been speaking with Farah Husri, health equity reporter for Side Effects Public Media. That's a program led by WFYI in Indiana. Thank you so much, Farah. 